Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. First of all, it's amazing to be back in the podcast. And uh, last last week, we had a very inter- interesting talk, kind of like, you know, talking a little bit about like what's happening in the Easter side and just having some fun, a little bit different kind of viewpoint. And of course, sharing an interesting story from a beach soccer world. And today, we're here with Kenneth Corson. Welcome to our podcast. It's It's an honor to have you here. Thank you so much, I appreciate it. So, Kenneth, today we're going to have a very interesting topic. We're going to talk something that, you know, sits the close, the boat close to us, to our heart, in terms of how the coronavirus is in, impacting the Nordic sports landscape. And it's pretty rough being a Nordic sport business at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. And... Yeah. And I think, like, before we dive into that, why don't you just give, like, a brief introduction about yourself, uh, your background, before we dive a little bit more into the topic. Yeah, um, I'll try and do that shortly. I am uh, working at University College of Northern Denmark, a UCN here in Aalborg, Denmark. Right. Um, I am a co-founder of the sport management program at UCN. Yeah. And... Um, then I teach around the world. Uh, I'm a visiting professor at University of San Francisco at their master's program in sport management. And I've given talks um, across uh, different countries within the past couple of years. Johan Cruyff Institute, the football right. business master's program in Spain, Flerig Business School in Belgium. I've been up in, in Norway to talk to them as well. Um, and then I do consulting in sports as well and research. I did my PhD basically uh, focused on the commercialization of sports and sports branding and how you can capitalize on that. And uh, on top of that, I'm also an elite football coach. I have a UEFA A license. And uh, for the past six and a half years, I've worked with Allborg BK, yeah. a professional club in Denmark, first four years as head coach for the men's reserves. Nice. And since January 2018, I've been the head coach for uh, the elite women's team in, in Allborg. And then I also sit on committees uh, on the, the Danish FA and yeah. uh, work closely with the Danish league system and other sports governing bodies uh, in Denmark and abroad. So you're involved in a lot of different things, for sure. And you've seen a lot of what is happening in the sport industry, particularly from the business side, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I try to keep myself busy, <laughs> but... Uh, it's a good time for a podcast right now because right. I'm not as busy as, as usual. <laughs> uh, football is on hold currently. We have right. sent our players home and they have individual uh, training schedules to adhere to. Right. And other than that, I've been working from home basically since uh, the middle of March. So yeah. all teaching activities have been converted into online uh, right. editions and uh, right. I've been in a lot of Skype, Zoom, or Microsoft Teams calls, so it's a different world right now. (laughs) No, for sure, but we're happy to have you here and uh, excited to talk about this very interesting topic. And we we always enjoy, like, the whole point with this podcast, uh, as, like, most of our viewers and listeners uh, have heard about this already, is that we want to 
you know, shed light on some of the things that are happening in the industry right now, because there's so many people sitting at home, you know, whether that's a a student or like, you know, someone working in the industry and they're like, what is happening and and where are we going, you know, in in the next couple of months and how am I going to be prepared for the day that, you know, this situation is over? How can we capitalize on it? And, you know, is it, how bad is it, you know, essentially? Uh, And, I think I'm just going to dive like right into the first question. And that is like, how is the coronavirus impacting the Nordic sports economy? And that's a pretty big one. Yeah, I will <laughs> try to, to answer it uh, shortly. Or we can have a dialogue about right. it. Ole. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the way I see it, the coronavirus is, is definitely taking its toll on the Nordic uh, sports economy. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Think about the analogy of a closed production plant or assembly line. I wrote about that on my own blog. Yeah. Uh, I think that the current scenario where sports have been put on hold for a while or where competitions, tournaments and events have been canceled, uh, that paints a very dark picture of a Nordic right. sports industry, which currently fights uh, with the tip of its uh, fingernails to realize a feasible going concern to apply an accounting uh, term so it's it's a very serious situation where sports organizations are fighting fighting to to find the resources required to 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 keep their operations going in a reasonable way or where some sports organizations are simply fighting to avoid a worst case scenario of bankruptcy or liquidation of of its assets. Uh, and I think that this crisis influences the lifeblood of, of sports. Uh, that meaning the life events, games or competitions. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, whether we're talking about professional sports or amateur or recreational sports, right. the constraints to participate uh, in sports passively in front of the TV screen or live right. in the stadium uh, or actively in, in the sports club uh, present. Um, um, I, I mean, there there is a situation where our participation is hindered uh, or, or constrained, and right. and that is a barrier to to ongoing operations of sports organizations and present a, a serious economic implications as there may be a running costs, but suddenly no or limited revenues and. Right. This puts a strain on the liquidity or cash flows of sport organizations while also emphasizing the meaning of, of strong capital resources to rely on. Uh, that could be equity or access to external capital. So, so with this in mind, uh, in a crisis situation with low market activity across various industries and markets, it's a very tough or almost impossible uh, it's very tough, almost impossible to generate a positive cash flow. And yeah. uh, similarly, it is much harder to gain access to external capital, which right. manifests uh, the urgency of the situation. And uh, I, I think you have to, to, to look at, at things uh, from, a new, uh, from, from various perspectives. If you move down the economic uh, hierarchy or ladder in professional sports, uh, right. For instance, from professional football towards other team sports such as handball, 
ice hockey, it may be different in Sweden if we talk about the Nordic countries. Right. Um, right. Or basketball. The more leagues uh, and clubs rely on sponsorships, yeah, uh, sure. uh, the harder it is. Uh, I mean, football uh, has pretty good media deals. Right. Uh, and the problem here is... is how you rely on on sponsorships right like the sponsor are even in a difficult position because they're also being impacted by the coronavirus it's not just you know the the sport industry itself but and the sport team but actually you know the sponsors the the media departments like all essentially every entity that has been involved in feeding the teams in the industry are being impacted by that. And as, as you know, as a fellow Nordic, uh, you know, the, the, the Nordic sport industry is so dependent on the sponsors and the gate revenue, I would say, you know, in order to be feasible financially. And like, we're not in a favorable position and how, how bad do you think it's gonna, like how long can essentially this, this coronavirus last before you know you will have those teams and 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 even like the pro teams right that are being in a position where i, I can't do this anymore like we, we we're we're just about to run out of money do you think where where is that gap going to be yeah it's definitely a, a situation of urgency if right. i take my own club uh all, all bk right. if you look at their uh, last two annual uh, financial statements you would see that 70 percent of the revenue uh, revenues come from uh, the, a combination of television money and sponsorship money right and like i said that the further down you go in terms of the economic hierarchy of sports yep. uh, the more reliant clubs are on on sponsorships you see right. uh, a scenario in denmark where amateur and recreational sports definitely uh, are also facing a challenge uh, in terms of sponsorships because the sponsorship market is is under massive pressure as well. I mean, what does a corporation do if it experiences uh, economic difficulties or have right. to lay off employees? It goes through a strategic a strategic prioritization process, sure. and and sponsorship is not the first priority. Right. So so. So this may be an area that is removed. I mean, sponsorship is, is passion money. So right. often if you are facing economic difficulties in your own business, right. you are cutting off uh, sponsorship. So you see that the entire sports industry is, is hit really hard right now. Right. Look, look at the airline industry buying yeah. its way to, to the sports industry. Uh, your own airline in Norway, Norwegian, yeah, is yeah. definitely facing tough times. And many airlines are engaged in, in sports sponsorship. Right. So, so what about this? And, and uh, other industries are all also being really influenced by, by the corona crisis. And in terms of recreational sports, I think there's an important thing to to emphasize here as well because many recreational and amateur sports are reliant uh, not only on uh, sponsorships but also on pro professional sports being active if we take my own club again yeah uh, our recreational or amateur department is is earning money for their activities based on 
helping with concession stands when the professional right. team is playing. Right, right, right. You also in, same in, in Norway, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you have the same in terms of recreational and amateur sports being reliant on side events that yeah. could be festival, festivals, concerts, right. uh, markets, fairs, etc. And uh, where you see athletes and parents uh, from the recreational department earning money from those activities uh, to boost their own activities. And now all of these events have been canceled or right. postponed. And, this is not good for, for amateur or recreational sports. Um, for sure. While they also may experience small decreases in revenue because some people resign or save subscription fees. Yeah. Uh, at least for now, that is not a big uh, proportion of members that uh, tend to resign. But right. my own kids play, play sports in a recreational club nearby. and. Yep. Uh, um, ju just um, my oldest son, his team has seen 10% of, of uh, members resigning. And that also means yeah. something. And that's uh, I mean, that's but pretty huge. Yeah. yeah, but luckily in Denmark and yeah. Norway, Sweden, the Scandics or, right. or Scandinavian countries, we can rely on, on uh, subsidies from the local municipalities or from right. the government. Right, and and that's a good thing in this situation, at least. So, so let's talk a little bit about like what kind of initiatives though are are being taken and being done in Denmark right now. And I will talk a little bit about what's happening in Norway too. But like, what kind of initiatives are being done to ease ease the, the economic pain? You talk a little bit about like the governmental subsidies, but like, can you dive a little bit more like what exactly are they contributing with and like? How, how far do you think that will stretch? Like, is it enough? Like, do you need more? Or like, how, how will the, the small team cope with it? And how will the big teams cope with it? I mean, various packages have been issued by the governments to support right. professional as well as amateur and recreational sports. Yeah. Uh, for instance, professional sport clubs can be compensated in relation to salaries to, yeah. to employees who have been sent home from work. Sports Confederation of Denmark and the National Olympic Committee received money from the government yeah. to compensate amateur and recreational sport organizations. Right. And recently, the Danish government extended the economic uh, compensation package to event uh, hosts until the end of August and reduced the limit from 1,000 to uh, 350 participants, okay. which means that uh, smaller events may be, may be compensated. And that definitely helps. Uh, and it's also very important because the Scandinavian sports model is reliant on, on amateur sports organization yeah. being somewhat funded from the many side events that I talked about before yeah. uh, that are existing in the sports uh, landscape and now there is compensation if a sports organization is facing a deficit from a cancelled event and uh, this comes at a time after the Danish uh, Ministry of Culture in the beginning of April came up with an economic package of 50 million Danish kroners to help local amateur sports organizations and as a supplement to how sports organizations could benefit from the salary compensation package, which I also mentioned here. Right. And in Norway, you have seen that the Norwegian Sports Confederation have asked uh, sports organizations and clubs to elaborate on how the corona crisis affects uh, 
activities and thus the economic operations of the organizations. Yeah. And additionally, the Norwegian government provided, I think, 600 million Norwegian kroner to the sports and, and yeah. voluntary sector in, in, in March. Uh, but yeah. professional clubs in Denmark, uh, I used to play in Viborg. Uh, I know that they have established support activities through social media platforms to collect money right. to to uh, help the club. And I've also seen that amateur clubs have launched extraordinary subscription activities. Right. I used to be a coach in, in a recreational club yeah. and I have uh, subscribed to help that club as a passive member, right. which is also right. a, a way for clubs to, to earn money yeah. because this is the time where clubs need to be creative in right. relation. Exactly. to the revenue uh, side. And then if you look at professional football, for instance, professional football in Europe, uh, because it's a religion, seems to yeah. have its own life. And there has been a situation where you have seen that leagues have not canceled because it will be too expensive. Uh, if you look at uh, leagues not getting the enormous revenues from media deals, but... As we have seen with football globally, this proves a point regarding uh, the economic and political power of football and football's yeah. instrumental ability to influence society because right. why can footballers in a game with a lot of personal contact be allowed to train when schools and cultural institutions right. and corporations are, are shut down? I mean, Very that's an point. interesting question in itself and speaks it to some of the elements. I mean, like, it, it's a massive industry, but going back a little bit to, to Norway is that, as you mentioned, like, the, the government provided, a, like, an original package, right, to help uh, make, make the industry a little bit easier in terms of the, the, the sports teams. However, um, there's a lot of minor organizations and, and those tiny, tiny teams that are struggling hard now, right, because, you know, as we mentioned, like, there's a lot of, they're so dependent on their sponsors and, Maybe that's even like, you know, very tiny sponsorships that, you know, now are maybe representing small businesses that had that money on the side to just, okay, we can do that for you now. But at this point, their business is also being impacted. Hence, um, as you mentioned, they started doing research in order to categorize and understand, okay, what are the challenges here and how much money do we actually need? And we saw right now actually happened a couple of days ago where, um, you could apply for some additional funding essentially for your teams. And it was like more than, it was close to like 500 teams and organizations that have applied for that extra funding. So that talks a little bit about actually how bad the situation is. And even though like this would trickle down, you know, from the 600 millions, there, there's clearly a need for, for, for more. Uh, but I, I do think, however, and which is, happening now too is that they will dive a little bit further into uh, really sorry about the background <laughs> um really dive deeper into um the governmental side of understanding okay by doing this research and understanding from the top and going down like how many teams needs the extra funding and how much is actually you know needed uh, while i also see you know professional teams like Molde football club like like others that are 
been taking this seriously from day one. And of course, like there's also a range of like, what is your economic impact? But what we saw as well is that the players, the staff, they all understand the situation and they're okay. They're okay with being permitted or what it might be because this is just a state of the fact right now. You know, what is, what is the most important thing? The most important thing is minimize the length of the, the virus, right? And the sooner they are be- back to playing, even that, if that is for like no, no people in the stadium, it's still better than, you know, not having the, the competition at all. Like talking about the Norwegian Football League, which we're supposed to start uh, essentially in the beginning of April. Um, you know, now it's, it's delayed essentially till the end of um, June, if I'm not mistaken. And that's kind of like the timeline everyone is working on now and everyone is working in like those training in like five to five groups. And um, I think we will see, and I think in Norway, at least, I think it's realistic that you can might be able to start games after June, but with no spectators. So this mm-hmm. will impact how, how will I, like, it's a huge revenue, of course, like to lose all your, 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 your fans attending the games because it's a huge part. But at the same time, this is where your create, creativity in terms of like engagement for the media and how you can bring in you know, more revenue, more value from the extra additional assets that you have. And you talked a little bit about extra initiatives that are happening. I saw like some of the clubs here in Norway, they did like, they're essentially creating like a new wall in the stadium where you can buy a brick essentially. And yeah. you know, it's, it, it's a cool initiative. And I think like now is the time to be creative and, and, and what I do enjoy and what has been probably my highlight of like all this podcast too, is that we're all in the same situation. Like we're all, facing this coronavirus of course there's always differential of like how bad and 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 how the economic and all this situation is but everyone understands and everyone like wants to try to solve it and help each other and that i something that i think we need to like have in the back of our mind is that we're all fighting against the same thing now is the time to really work together and every little thing that you contribute with will help that part so I know that was a long like direction of like what's happening in Norway, but like what do you, what are your thoughts on um, and they're just going into a little bit between the gap, right? Between like the rich and what I call like the, the poor teams or like the amateur sports. Do you think and, and may, maybe even like in a like if you just think about like the Danish top league, you know, the Superliga, and just talking about like Copenhagen, right? And then like one of the lower lower end teams like will the gap be larger now after after this crisis yeah it's it's a good question only um, there's already a large gap between the biggest sports league and less commercially privileged right uh, sports leagues which adds a spillover effect on the gap between the richest sports teams for instance the real madrid's uh, the right. fc barcelona's or the manchester united's uh, to mention football or soccer or the Dallas Cowboys, the New England right. Patriots, the Gold, Golden State Warriors, the Lakers, the Knicks, or the New York Yankees, right. and the small market of financially poorer teams. And that also goes for the Nordic countries. There's definitely a difference between Molde and, and smaller teams in Norway right. or uh, FC Copenhagen and, and smaller teams in the Danish Super League in, in right. football or, or soccer. But... To answer your question, I would say that this depends on on time and context. Um, right. 
FC Copenhagen is also hit uh, really hard because sure. uh, there is depth uh, in the organization. They have right. um, business units such as a big vacation center that is also shut down in terms of revenue generation yeah. at the moment. Uh, so I would say that this depends on time and context. And uh, as of right now, it is important to have a solid uh, cash situation and strong capital resources. Uh, I mean, the problem short term is that stock prices and valuations of of top clubs go down and even right. big clubs such as Manchester United yeah. may have financial obligations in terms of unpaid transfer money, oh, which is oh, a yeah. challenge in a situation where there's limited revenue generation. However, some top clubs such as Bayern Munich, for instance, have better capital resources to rely on and will also right. find its way back in business after this crisis, whereas clubs at lower levels may be at higher risk in terms of bankruptcy. You've seen that in German football, for instance. Yep. Yep. Uh, some of the clubs in the second Bundesliga have been hit harder than the top clubs in, in the Bundesliga, like Bayern Munich, right. because also right. the ownership ownership structures is different. Uh, Bayern Munich is also owned by partly Allianz, uh, Adidas and uh, Audi. But, but uh, the problem here is that there is a trickle-down effect uh, yeah. in, in the sports economy, uh, such as a money flow from buying clubs to, to selling clubs, if we take professional sports and, and football right. as an example here. Uh, which with the current situation is somewhat jeopardized. Uh, there is a growing insecurity on the transfer market and this plays a role in, in, in football uh, because uh, the, the Nordic leagues are selling leagues right, compared right. to the Premier League, which is a buying league. So yeah. if there is low activity on the transfer market, it's going to hit hard on some of the Danish or Scandinavian clubs, which... For sure. uh, prioritizes to to sell players to to go from a negative financial result to a positive financial right. result in terms of the the annual financial uh, statement eventually we'll get back to to normal conditions but it will take some time and and then to go on in terms of my argument that time and context plays a role in the United States for instance there is a more centrally governed and thus collectivistic uh, approach to professional sports. Right. So the situation is, is different over there in terms of uh, professional sports because there is this single entity structure where clubs benefit from, from revenue sharing. But right. uh, in, this, in this situation, it comes down to, to solid ownership, yeah. also from capital perspective, because... What we have seen in Scandinavian countries in terms of professional sports is that this crisis is a big, big and serious problem for clubs that have experienced negative financial results, uh, results in recent years and yeah. clubs that at the same time don't have a, a, a solid situation in terms of capital resources because the sponsorship market has been hit hard right. and we have a production line that is currently on hold and also it's tough to uh, secure external capital from banks or from sure. potential uh, external investors in this current market or climate right so this is something that they did in norway though which i was something um, you know that we're particularly aimed towards businesses right and of course like 
like essentially every after the dual model coming into the sport industry like you know a decade ago um you know you will have like all these business entities right representing the the nordic teams and and you saw like especially in norway we we they opened up essentially like a deal with the with the banks in order to provide them with more money so they could you know provide that loan good loan benefits for whatever kind of organization you are and i think I like of course it stretched a certain point in order to help trickle that effect but you might end up in kind of like a new red red like situation for a lot of the teams here where as you also touch clearly upon especially in terms of the nordic sporting industry right where you're depending on selling your players you know in in terms of like and even like developing right and developing players and now like no one is training together more or less uh you can't bring in the new talents because i mean like everything is literally on on stop and then no one is buying right because everyone is trying to save same money and i think like you said that will hit pretty pretty hard but dude, i mean like you 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 call this sort of like a wake up call for the sport business industry and the, the interesting part is like where do we go from here and like we're going to touch a little bit like briefly like before we wrap up about the sponsorship market too but one of the things that i'm curious about and what i'm afraid we might see is that maybe not the sponsors are you know they they already contributed in a sense to the teams right and like what their their commitment is for 2020 uh, and, and maybe even longer but i'm afraid for those teams where or sports organization where the sponsorship ends by the end of the year and you suddenly have a lot of businesses that can't renew you know yeah. what then what are the like how are the teams going to cope with that and that's probably what i'm most afraid afraid of is like you will end up in a position in a year from now where there's there's so few sponsors that are willing or can contribute because they've been hitting so hard themselves that they need to like as you said it's like a privilege right an extra additional benefit that they want to do because they can um mm -hmm. but now maybe they can't and what do you like where do we go from here and what are your thoughts around that yeah, you, you have seen major events not being canceled, but also being postponed. And, right, uh, like the Olympics, for instance. Yeah, exactly. So, so that speaks to what you're talking about here. Uh, I was on a podcast with TV2 Denmark uh, last week or the week before, where we also had um, um, a professional athlete taking part in the podcast, an Olympic right. athlete that won medals in... in uh, in the London Olympics and that was looking forward to participating in in um, the Tokyo Olympics. Right. One of the concerns was um, she participates in, in rowing and rowing is a niche sport, com uh, niche sport compared yeah. to, to football in, in the Nordic countries right. or handball right. or ice hockey. Yeah. Uh, so her concern was that sponsors would withdraw because now they had to pay for another year. But luckily, uh, as we have seen in Denmark, the big uh, corporations supported um, the Olympic movement. And nice. I think in terms of major events, luckily or fortunately enough, you have a situation where sponsors have already invested in a four-year cycle. Right. So the culmination 
in terms of return on investment, return on engagement, and return on objectives in terms yeah. of the money that they pay for in terms of their sponsorship is culminating now next year in, right. in Japan. Right. So a lot of them want, uh, want to secure their investment. And uh, I think the good part here is that a lot of the sponsors that are associated with the Olympics or with uh, UEFA Champions League or the European Championship right. are sponsors or corporations with, with deep pockets. So luckily right. here you saw that the sponsors were, were still backing. In terms of the European Championship, yeah. it has been a discussion also in the media if, if Copenhagen will still host the event next year because it may collide with Copenhagen also hosting uh, part of the Tour de France. So Mm. how does that uh, link up with uh, hotel capacity in the city? What what about uh, the urban space and commercial rights in terms of that? So in terms of of these major events, also the European Championship, which is is spread across... uh, European uh, cities, this may add some complexity, but I right. think it's important also to to uh, underscore here the fact that these major events have not been cancelled, so we right. will see an economic uh, periodization. So right. it have been an economic catastrophe if if these major events had been cancelled right. instead of postponed yeah, that yeah. makes a difference in terms of time and context for sure now be a situation where uefa in terms of the european championship the main rights holder has secured that the events takes place that's that's important same right. thing with the olympics yeah. and the ioc and this means that what sponsors have paid for uh, for instance the main event the olympics of the european right. championship Will, will still go on, though in 2021 instead of 2020. Yeah. Yet there may be some rights questions or situation where sponsors could be affected by the corona crisis, but, yeah. but most likely in terms of major events such as right. the Olympics or the European Championship, we'll see a situation where these uh, major corporate sponsors or brands such as Heineken or Coca-Cola, right. fast-moving consumer goods, probably still have the financial sustaining power to, sure. to, to back the European Championship or the Olympics despite yeah. uh, Corona. If you take the, the UEFA Champions League, I believe that we will see some kind of completion. Uh, I don't know about the tournament structure for, the, for this, uh, but right. we will see some kind of completion of this year's uh, edition. That's why UEFA is working really hard right now. Yeah. Of course, it would be a major blow for UEFA as a rights holder if this season ends up being cancelled. Right. And if if this, in that case, results in, in rights uh, questions yeah. from broadcasting partners and sponsors Very due to point. the fact that they then don't feel that uh, they get the expected value uh, according to the ongoing deal or contract, yeah. still... I think that we'll see the tournament play out. And this is the dialogue, as I said, of UEFA these days. Right. Also relating to, to national FAs and leagues. And as in the case of the European Championship, uh, UEFA's Champions League partners are also major corporations uh, or brands, such as, for instance, Heineken, MasterCard, Nissan, right. PepsiCo, etc. 
but there will be a dip in in revenues for the clubs, of course, uh, if the completion of the tournament is played without fans. And right. this is the main issue for UEFA because the economic operations of governing bodies are dependent on what uh, goes on beneath uh, this overlying umbrella level. Right. Uh, that means at the national FA league and club level and how these levels are intertwined with UEFA's uh, cross-border competitions. And sure. I think this explains why UEFA is so focused on national federations or leagues not cancelling tournaments yeah. as seen in the case of yeah. the Jupiter League in, in Belgium. Uh, basically, the decision that the Belgium League first cancelled was mm. overruled by UEFA that right. came and said, if that's happening, you know, we may uh, exclude you from, from UEFA competitions. Right. And I think you're, in addition, Ole, what people have to understand is the mutually beneficial interdependence between rights holders such as UEFA, yeah. the television partners and the sponsors. So there's a lot uh, on stake for all these partners uh, in the ecosystem of top sports and top football. I mean, right. television, broadcasting pays big bucks uh, for the highly in the eyes of fans yeah. of the most popular sport if you take football, yeah. of the highly relevant sports product of football to football's uh, rights holders such as UEFA, the media know that this high demand content will move or have the ability to move uh, customers and market shares while being capable of attracting uh, paying eyeballs who are willing to subscribe to or engage with football on television associated with the convenience of, of sitting basically at home with the remote control in your hands and being able to shelter in the living room while uh, enjoying a beer from some of the paying advertisers such as right. Heineken. So right. at the same time, I mean, football, UEFA, national FAs, leagues and clubs capitalize on the sponsor interest associated yeah. with the game taking place live in the stadium. And this coronavirus is a threat to the live stadium experience. Yeah. For what reason all players in this ecosystem, the way I see it, cling to the hope of, of the competition's not being totally banned, but rather taking place yeah. in an alternative format via the so-called sure. so uh, ghost games without yeah. fans in the stadium. And, and, and this alternative gives broadcasting partners the ability to show the games and thus for all commercial partners to let the product keep breathing and staying relevant in the minds of, of fans worldwide. And the same goes on in Scandinavia where the football leagues and clubs rely on its passionate appeal to business to consumers and business to business stakeholders, primarily at the local and regional level here in Scandinavia, but right. also maintaining uh, the overall obligation to entertain people uh, and meet the huge national interest for the game of football and other sports. Right. Well, I, it was I, a answer. <laughs> I, I think, I think to, to start wrapping up though, I think it's, um, what I will, what I think we're gonna see is, I think we will see um, a boost of innovation uh, when it comes to how people are showcasing the sports, like mm -hmm. at home, like on TV, the media, the media side. I think will will receive a creative innovation happening in the next few months because of this, because they have to think outside the box, right? Like, how yeah. are we engaging? Because when when the sports starts. 
everything comes right essentially at once again of course like maybe not being physical at the stadium hence how are you keeping that how can i say like being at the stadium experience right but being from home and and utilizing that as a tool of getting new users getting new people to sign up and view that and, and what i do like though for like next year there's a little bit kind of like looking on the bright side here with the with the european championship is that i i think it's the best thing that could happen is that next european championship is in all the different host cities because it means that they will have the opportunity to receive a lot of revenue from visitors while in fact in general it was just in a one country right so now it's spread out and you will see a, a huge revenue boost that I think the European countries will benefit from and what they will need in the situation that is happening right now. So I, I think we're kind of lucky in a sense that that was the case for next year European Championship. Uh, and then I think we will see a lot of innovation on the media side and how you are going to in the best possible, possible way engage your audience that are sitting home and you will see that maybe some new startups, maybe some new technology that are going to be based into like keeping your audience engaged because now it's going to be this probably out, I would guess out 2020, there will be no, no people on the stadiums. It's my guess, but let's, let's see, hopefully before, but that's what I think. Yeah. And, and, and you're right in terms of that. I mean, I heard a Japanese doctor or medical professor talking about the fact whether or not uh, the Olympics in Tokyo could take place also next year or right. if it would still be, be threatened. And it also comes down to participants from all over the world and from less privileged countries uh, than Norway, Sweden, right. or Denmark, or Finland here in Scandinavia. Yeah. I mean, they, they have to test the equipment to make sure that uh, um, the Olympics could uh, take place in a way that is uh, responsible from uh, a health angle. And right. I mean, in, in terms of this, the time factor is critical. Right. The time factor is critical for yeah. sports governing bodies, for leagues, for clubs, and everyone. for everyone investing in professional sports. But I totally agree. We also have to look at the bright side of life right. to to quote a, a famous right. song. And we need to see some some positive disruption here. Right. Uh, so for instance, new questions regarding financial management in professional right. sports because um, professional sports is is standing on a burning platform right now because yeah. there are ongoing costs in terms of professional athletes being on contracts and yeah. if if the contract value takes up a big chunk of the turnover it's 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 already a cash flow balance that is under pressure yeah. and we also need to see some some positive disruption in terms of creative means to revenue generation or content That's content true. production that you were talking about there was a recent michael jordan example in terms of some some content that uh, jordan kept uh, hidden for many years that came out uh, recently oh, yeah 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 and, and place, i mean right? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just a perfect example because Netflix is an organization that is thriving these days. Right, and, right. They and have an enormous boost. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, another example could be esports. Uh, right. Uh, esports platforms such as um, what is the platform called Twitch. that is by oh, yeah, which yeah, owned by Amazon. Yeah. Uh, esport is 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 a sport that is benefiting from its digital understanding in in these uh, times, and we may also see new investors with deep sure. capital pockets going into sports to to benefit from the current market situation where I, cash I, is king. I, I think and, we need to uh, have another topic though, just discussing who will be the new sponsors in the sport industry. Because I mean like just like like we just roughly started like Facebook, Tinder, like all these coming in, you know, into the sport industry. And now probably Netflix and other entities that are having this boost effect, right, of of the situation. And there's a lot of platforms and, and social solutions that are boosting from this current situation that will sit on a top heavy revenue. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see a change in the landscape of sponsorship, especially in terms of the global ones. But yeah. we'll, 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 we'll take that at another time. I think we've been, it's been a long conversation. We could probably keep going for like hours and hours. It's a lot of interesting stuff happening. And I'm super glad to have you be part of it. So Kenneth, I would like to... Thank you for the time. I truly appreciate it. And we're looking forward to see what our next episodes will bring. And we'll certainly probably have a new discussion in a, in a future day about what is happening, maybe when things are stabilizing a little bit more and, and what actions are going to be taken because there's a lot to discuss here. Yeah, and this, may, this will definitely change the competitive landscape in, in the sports industry because there is room for lucrative deals also to be made, but sure. it requires people with deep pockets or you may also see some goodwill to be earned from corporations with the economic resources to save or to back uh, or support right. sports. Uh, but this has been a pleasure, Ole. I, I appreciate the chance to participate in your podcast and uh, I hope that your audience can benefit from our discussion. 100%. So, Kenneth, thank you once again for the time. And we always finish with Visnakes, which means, I mean, like you. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All Bye. right. Yeah. Bye-bye.